0: today boss fights mostly because i think at least mazzy and i jake i don't know if you you don't do monster hunter nope are pretty hyped for rise to come out i am and i've been playing so much freaking world because of it for the first time yes
1: I'm very
2: hyped. I, I thought there was going to be more to that, to be honest. That's why I didn't say no. anything. No, I'm very like, hyped for uh, Rise to come out. I'm not going back and replaying Worlds just because I think that would actually kill my enthusiasm. I think that Did would you play the all damage. the way through it? I played all the way through it, but I didn't come back for the DLC, so I never played the Frozen whatever expansion for it.
0: Oh, I'm in that right now.
2: It also doesn't help that the game's not currently installed on my PS4, and due to my move 18 months ago, I still don't know where that disc is, and I'm not rebuying it.
0: Nah, that's fair. That is, uh, that's fair. This topic came up, I think, after the demo for Rise came out for me. I I don't know if I brought it up, or, like, Mazzy, this is a combination of a topic you brought up, too. But I started thinking about Monster Hunter world which I was playing at the time and then also the demo that I played of Rise uh, on my Switch Lite and I started to realize uh, these games are kind of unique in that they're effectively all boss fights all the time which is very different from other games that I have played and then as we started to talk more about it we said you guys brought up Dark Souls or Any Souls type games as also sharing this mentality of it's almost always a boss fight, right? Yes. Is that roughly how we got here?
1: For the most yeah. part, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, and then Mezu, you brought up another topic, which I think you wanted to give like a foreword on.
2: Let's skip the forward for now, because I think that'd be really heavy. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I think it okay. would come off. I think it would come off as borderline <coughs> obnoxious to feel. <be> <laughs> <laughs> is, is there
0: is there a TLDR?
2: Yeah, the TLDR is that with this sort of a game. You don't get satisfaction from being rewarded. You get satisfaction from having your rewards denied and then feeling like the rewards are more significant when you do earn them. So with Souls, it's beating the boss or the board or speedrunning or for some people now because Souls is a bit old, playing in a certain way or a certain class or playing it with every class even though it's extremely difficult, right? With Monster Hunter, it's beating those monsters and cutting off the body parts, um, and then missing your drop, and then running it 20 times until you get the drop you need to make the next item.
0: Isn't that a mood?
2: Right, but beating the boss isn't really, at that point, beating the Legiana or Rathalos or Brachitos or whatever isn't really important in terms of, like, your satisfaction of the gameplay, it's acquiring that component or that set of armor or that particular weapon. Um, And that's why you end up with these kind of weird games where... I watched Jake play Sekiro last night for, I don't know, like an hour? About. And get his face absolutely punched in every step of the way. But it doesn't really... There's no satisfaction there from a... From a traditional gameplay loop perspective right like you're not being rewarded by the game for playing it you're being rewarded in a deferred sense that eventually you'll beat that boss and move on
0: yeah i think looking back on it one of my friends recently played through dark souls for the first time like i realized just how little you really don't get rewarded when you beat bosses in dark souls you don't really get fancy armor. Like, you can, but, like, it's not, it's definitely not worth the maybe, like, 20 deaths that you went through to get it, right?
2: No, I mean, Dark Souls is super weird in that way because you'll find the armor in a chest randomly on the board. Right. And then the boss is like, here's 10,000 souls that you could have just ground in one eighth the time it took to beat me. Right. Except for the dragon in the depths like the whatever it is the dragon with all the teeth with the body split open and it's real nasty and it's super famous oh yeah and i'm like all right i'm a sorcerer which i know is an easy class internet dive in dodge left okay i'm just gonna you're just not even gonna move we're just gonna sit here and cast and cast and you're dead what a
0: (laughs) so if i'm understanding correctly i think what you're talking about is that after being met with obstacles, simply the reward of finally overcoming it is what these games strive for more so than not physical loot, but physically digital loot. You know, you know what, like instead of a armor or a flashy thing, it's just a feeling of you struggled a lot and you finally did it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I think mean, makes go ahead.
2: Well, to emphasize that point, Dark Souls has a variety of optional bosses, and Monster has loads of optional fights that you take. Yeah. Right? Like, things that you would never do for a game that will reward you traditionally. All right, you beat the Rathalos. Good. That was one of 65 times you're going to fight the Rathalos over your playthrough of this game. No, it's not. We're done. Mm, Mm -hmm. Are you, though?
0: (laughs) What about this slightly different colored Rathalos?
2: <laughs> which I can't even see.
1: I mean, likewise in Sekiro, right? We were talking last night because I'm on the owl boss for anybody that knows about the game. Um, it is one of the potential endings that you can get to. There's like the Shura ending, which is like the short ending. And there's I don't know what the other one's called. But basically, you go much farther. Um, either it is the ending or it's very close. And I told you, like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to go for the long one not because, you know, it's going to be fun, not because it's going to give me tons of cool gear, like, you know, you look the same no matter what. Um because there's more to do. Yeah, there's more to conquer.
2: It is it is literally climbing Everest because it's there.
1: Yes. Can we define some terminology? Because I feel like yeah, you've used you've used the word mazio a lot, like or the phrase negative capital. I think that's a really good way of referring to it. But I don't know if um off the top of everyone's head they're going to get that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's why I kind of avoided it. But basically, games build up positive capital, traditional games rather, build up positive capital by rewarding you. And then your failures count against that ledger, right? Yeah. Negative capital is the other way around. The game makes you angry and frustrated and denies you and then eventually rewards you. But the reward, as we've just discussed, is somewhat different than the traditional game rewards. Because if you fought the same boss 20 or 30 times for them to drop a sword, it would have to be a game-ending sword, right? At that point, it would have to be an unstoppable game-ending sword. And I think where these games really shine is the fact that, well, yeah, you fought this boss 20 times and they didn't drop any loot, but endgame bosses, do not you don't really worry about them dropping loot anyway and it makes that kind of gravitas of every fight is super important very much driven home.
1: Yeah. I remember I I killed those stupid apes that I've been stuck on for literally a year in Sekiro. Give me two beads. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got matter. Lone beads. I Got two beads. But that wasn't the point. That wasn't even close to the point. I was elated right. when I finally killed those cuz I had left the game like, you know, shortly after it released because I was so stuck there and when I came back and did it it was like I the amount of negative capital that those apes had built up in my head for you know the ridiculous length of time that I had just been letting them sit there that was absolutely one of the more triumphant moments that I've had in gaming
0: I have a question that I'm trying to form in my brain so that it doesn't come out as the garbled mesh things usually do <laughs>
2: Why why don't we
0: actually
2: why don't we actually like let you for like talk out the question and then we'll respond to it? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
2: take a take a, take a couple <laughs> of runs at it.
0: I'm trying to think if this game type or reward structure had not been established in older generations and instead was a new idea that came out today. Would it be as popular as it is since modern games have a habit of almost over rewarding the player or training the player to respect rewards at every turn? And I think it's a, I don't want to call it an epidemic <laughs> given, you know, today's climate, <laughs> but you want to call it, it a see, pandemic instead. Oh God. You see a lot of it in mobile games where every action you take, there is, a reward to it there is some bright thing that happens on screen there's confetti there's like good job you moved a brick one space i'm so proud of you right take a lollipop whatever right
2: stop playing anime games
0: i yeah i don't play anime games but jake on the other hand no um
1: i actually can't i can't deal with that stuff i hate slot machines i hate gacha games i just i am a I'm a massive weeb. I got weeb tattooed (laughs) right on my arm. Like, literally. Um, And I can't play him. I just can't. They treat you like an idiot. They really do. They
0: they do. Um, And I'm trying to think if this has really changed what the majority of gamers, or this generation of gamers, or this snapshot of the gaming community, however you want to say it, comes to expect from games. If Dark Souls had never been released or games similar to the Souls franchise where it's just boss fights and it's using these negative capital had not been released prior to this and built up a history and a fame back then, if you released this as a brand new idea today, would it be successful because developers have trained the community to expect rewards with everything they do? Does that make sense? It does. totally
1: makes sense. Okay. It does. And it-
2: I don't think it would
1: i actually you know I, mean? I would I think it definitely would um let's let's isolate marketing here because I think that's a different concern. Let's say you have a mass marketing right. game with the same number of like impressions roughly um I think that this type of reward cycle exists in the world, like Masu's example before of climbing everest. I think inherent to human psychology, this is something that you can do. And just because it was an established genre with, you know, early arcade games and the early Souls games, um, I don't think those came up with this formula. I think this formula has always existed.
0: Just not in a digital aspect. Yeah,
1: yeah, just not. And if if we just came up, if we finally transmuted like the the mountain climbing spirit into um, the digital form today, I think it would be just as resonant with those people that would have likewise gone and climbed a mountain and done something ridiculous just for the the purpose of doing it.
0: My it's like the astronaut argument- mentality. My counter argument to that is that now more than ever games are used as an escape for people to be able to do things that have failed them in life or to fulfill some need that is not being met in real life.
2: You mean like walking around next to people without wearing a mask?
0: Yeah, you know <laughs> nowadays the bar's real low. <laughs> but If they're looking for that escape from realism and this idea had not been introduced to them prior, would they still accept it? Uh, But Mazze, you were going to say something too.
2: No, I don't think they would be as successful because I feel like there's a large generation of older gamers that are experiencing a high degree of nostalgia by returning to a format from their youth. A lot of why I thought I would hate Dark Souls is actually why I love it. And it's kind of become the same with Monster Hunter, where in playing Mega Man as a child, I would play the same level every day after school for a month until I could basically speed run it, although that wasn't really a thing back then, but you know you got you put yourself in that position where you could autopilot your way through it and you had all the muscle memory down, and you were building towards that end game moment where after two or three months of constant play, you could make a real run and have a real shot at beating the game in one go. No passwords, no help, just get in there and do it. Souls reminds me of that. I actually said to my now fiancé, when I started playing Dark Souls, I'm like, this plays exactly like a game from the 90s. It really feels, I I, I use the word very condescendingly and uh, I apologize for nothing on this, it feels like a real video game. (laughs) There are consequences. I have to fight these monsters over if I mess up. Oh my gosh! What?
1: Oh, be held to a standard? What the hell! You're right, though. There was something that I think we lost uh, at some point in like the 2000s when like the Call of Duty campaigns blew up, and you know <laughs> those upper level difficulty options didn't really matter so much anymore. It's just you know go play through anything right now, and it's just. <sighs> relative to playing through a Souls game or playing through one of those early arcade games that you're referencing, it is not the same level of investment that you need, like, or mechanical skill or anything. You can kind of AFK your way through most everything.
0: This is a bigger problem, too, than just these type of games. Because I've played Sims since the first Sims all the way up to four, and the people in the sim community who have played from the first sims up to four remark that like sims and sims one like all of their needs plummeted so much quickly it was so much harder to like take care of them and manage them and it was so much more micromanaging and like they died so much easier and you struggled for them to actually like have kids and like it it was it was hard and like now you're in sims four and you're like yeah i can just sit here and hit the like three times the speed button and be able to handle everything like with a breeze. But that was like no sweat. And it's, I think it's more than just these games. I think there is there was a general movement that made games easier or more far-reaching, adaptable to reach a wider audience. So you were no longer just appealing to those kids who wanted the high score on the arcade machine, right? You were trying to appeal to people who weren't, quote-unquote, born into the gamer community. And they were trying to garner more of an audience. And Souls isn't for everybody. (laughs) Like, there's no way in hell that I would give Souls to just any gamer out there.
2: But I, I do think in that exact same vein of logic, if I can jump in. Yeah. That is why we have switched our nomenclature from I beat that game to I finished that game. It was yeah. like a sandwich. At any point, I could have walked away and it wouldn't have mattered. But I decided to eat all of it.
1: I finished and Cyberpunk. I, I beat Sekiro. I didn't yeah. beat Sekiro. Not yet. Think thinking I'm about finish um,
2: Fallen Order. I'm going to beat Dark Souls. <laughs> finish Law
0: and Order. Think, <laughs> I that, Fallen Order. Thinking about that. That's next. My friend who just streamed and finished his first playthrough of Dark Souls, he also then proceeded to play the first Halo remastered. Uh, And I think you're right. Like, even if you listen to him talk, he says, I beat Dark Souls. And he says, I'm done with Halo. Or I finished Halo. I don't know it if he a- does it consciously.
1: Well, yeah. Or- I don't think
2: he does. I think it speaks to what Jake said, where it's part of our subconscious as humans, that this is a... We register this experience completely differently.
0: Yeah.
1: And the crazy and to that thing- end, I think... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 sorry. I was just going to jump in on the Halo thing real quick. Like... Talk to anybody in the Lasso community. They beat Halo 1, Legendary Lasso. Like, you know, they, that's that's an entirely different thing.
0: Nightmares, yeah.
1: Yeah, Legendary All-Scoring Skulls On. That's a whole different game. And I played through, I played through about half a Reach recently, Lasso, with a couple of buddies. And like, Jesus Christ, that's about as close to a Souls game that you could fit into Halo. Like. It's damn near impossible, but it is so satisfying to get through one of those missions. It is entirely unlike playing a normal campaign. Yeah, well, now I want to go do that. Oh, we can totally do that. Like, I'll. Uh, we should start with Reach, though. It's it's the easiest.
0: I think we need to check colorblind settings for Mazio so that he can actually see to shoot things. Because
1: Oh, you dude, don't have a reticle, like, so it doesn't matter.
0: Wait, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> he still needs to be able to see...
1: The re- where enemies are. <laughs> like, no, you literally blind can't.
2: old man we brought with us on this mission.
0: Not the reticle, Jake. He needs to be able to see that the enemy isn't also the wall.
1: No, I understand, but like... okay, <laughs> I-, I would not be surprised if like a scoring skull is like, we made everything gray. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's all gray. Grunts throw invisible grenades that blend in with all of the environment behind them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I,
2: I have a I have a postulate. If we're <laughs> we're done with this, yeah. Um, do we think that part of this is the rise of multiplayer games, wherein all the people or a majority of people that were gaining satisfaction from the game experience that we're talking about with Souls games and Lasso and Monster Hunter started worrying about their rank in things like League and call of duty prestige and all that other stuff
0: they became afraid to fail repeatedly
1: i think partially. no, they stopped
2: caring about playing the game because the game wasn't rewarding so they oh, started see, playing something they could fail at
0: see i i was going to those games punish you so harshly for failing that it's not worth it like in dark souls even if you fail a boss yeah you start over and you have to fight things again but like that's it that's the extent of the and you souls and humanity right yeah. But this that's the extent. If you care a lot about your rank and that image or title whatever means a lot to you, you're not going to want to fail repeatedly to actually build up that negative catharsis and release, right? Cuz it, it it sucks to be in bronze on Overwatch.
2: Try iron in League.
0: Like it it sucks and you're punished so harshly for them. Whereas something I actually like really like about the design of dark souls is that the game in my mind is designed for you to fail repeatedly learn something new each time you fail and come back come back at it with a new tactic or with new knowledge that you learned from last time you failed and try again it's accepted in that game that you're gonna fail and it's not punishing you so harshly to the point where you'll never dig yourself out of that bronze ditch. Instead, it's like, I expect you to fail, and I expect you to learn from it and come back at me with a new idea or tactic.
1: Right. One thing that I wanted to bring up was that something that kind of paralleled the rise of like the sort of casual mindset to game and this mass appeal is the rise of multiplayer games. Like multiplayer shooters becoming the dominant force in like console gaming happened like the same Instead time.
0: Instead of these single player Yeah. games.
1: Yeah, and I mean like right now, for example, load up um Black Ops Cold War, they count assists as kills.
0: What? Right.
1: Yep. That's
2: some bullshit.
1: It's complete yeah. bullshit. I run around with a knife simply because it's the only way to honestly know that I killed people. It's, it's, wow, it's so bad. Like a knife and a sniper is my kit, which one ruins games for people, but, <laughs> um, two is like, like one of the only ways to like add that degree of difficulty because it's like I got one bullet to shoot you or I get one knife and I got to run up and basically, survive your onslaught of smg nonsense that populates that game and try to stab you but like yeah i mean you think think about it right (laughs) you you had a lot of people that were used to not necessarily those single-player games come into the gaming market and start to play like cod with their friends um like when i was younger and um if they're not getting rewarded Are they going to stay? Because not everybody's about that negative capital lifestyle of playing Dark Souls. So it kind of makes sense that when you start to bring in a broader portion of the population that you kind of need to shift towards the positive end.
0: Yeah, I think they were trying to make it more accessible to a wider audience, garner more attention, more people to pull into it. Mm -hmm.
2: I think the game that actually to go back to it, Monster Hunter's come a long way in that regard but a lot of what Monster Hunter did to garner that audience were not was not making the game easier, but quality of life updates, like a sortable inventory. Yeah. It sounds dumb, but there wasn't one for the, a long time. Or um, a physics engine that doesn't break.
0: <laughs>
2: Constantly, for no reason.
0: So, I think, looking at Monster Hunter world specifically... Even though I am fighting monsters with my friends, cause we're at a, we're at a certain part in master rank where I could fight these things alone, but it would be a rough time for my bow ass, right? So even though I have people to fight with, we still fail <laughs> some of these, mo- like they're still hard and it's still giving you that satisfaction on killing it at the end even though you work together as a team to do it which is something that I think multiplayer games don't or shooter specifically what Jake was talking about takes it a little too far where they're like everybody gets the kill right everybody participated everybody did this great thing Uh. and it just feels fake I guess is a way to put it (laughs) I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure I mean, you're out. You're not worth. wrong.
2: It it it's unsatisfying, and it it makes it feel completely unjustified, right?
0: Yeah, and Monster Hunter World, unless you install the mod like I did, doesn't ever show you how much damage you've done, who was the highest damager on the team, or what, right? It'll give like little rewards at the end, right? But it hides all that behind the scenes, and I think it does it to avoid a problem of either division or feeling like it has to reward everyone. Instead of it's just, you guys all took down this beast and it was hard. And it do- it feels genuine that way. Instead of, yeah, this person did everything and they carried your. oh, look, like, I know you did the final blow but, like, look, that person who sat there and, like, I don't know, spun in circles five times.
2: You got off one shot.
0: Kind of one shot. Got the
2: same reward you did.
0: Right. But I think the point that I was making prior to this break was Dark Souls and Monster Hunter expect you to fail, and they are designed so that failure is a factor considered in the gameplay loop more intensely than games like first person shooters, Overwatch, or multiplayer games. Whereas when I look at Overwatch, If you fail, there wasn't much thought given to it. It was just you fail, you get bumped down a few. That's it. Right?
2: Sucks to suck.
0: Sucks to suck. They didn't, there wasn't any longer thoughts or more thought given into, well, what happens if you repeatedly fail or what, like, where do you go from there? Like, what do we do with that negativity? Whereas in Dark Souls, it expects you to fail when you first confront a boss for the first time it expects you to do that and expects you to learn each time which is why the negative consequences of dying in dark souls is not a permanent downgrade on the game whereas in these first person shooters if you fail too much it's a permanent downgrade on how the game plays to you because you've bumped down in rank does that make sense
1: do you know what handles sorry go ahead go ahead jake oh okay You know what handles this really well? And you guys are going to hate me. Fortnite.
0: (sighs) Explain why.
1: Fortnite manages negative and positive capital really, really well. It is like one of the perfect hybrids. And I'm using Fortnite because it's the biggest name. But, you know, PUBG um, or Apex or I'm not going to include Warzone because COD is a whole different ball of wax. But you are not expected to win those games. It is very unlikely that yeah. you would win a game. Even like professional win rates back when like I was in the Cattlewise qualifiers were only like 30%. Maybe maybe more than that, maybe like 50 at most. 50 I think was probably the best squad. Um but like I remember I had like um like like a 10% win rate at one point. And I was like elated. 90% of those games that I get into I'm failing. But then you combine that with the the FPS style like hit markers and assists and like big flashy gun effects and you, reload, grenade, um, and it makes for a very compelling experience because there's this meta negative capital game happening overlaid onto the micro positive.
0: I didn't go in thinking about Battle Royals, but now that you bring it up, I think you really have a point there is that. Going into Battle Royals, your chance of winning is like ten not even ten percent. Like less 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 than ten percent. You go in expecting to fail, but the games are built around small moments of positive capital to stop you from I guess sinking too far into that. Cause I think even if we go back to like the ranked example with Overwatch, where it just permanently downgrades your game play, right? Because if anybody wants to argue that playing the game at a gold level and playing a game at a bronze level in Overwatch is the same game, you are very wrong. <laughs> the game is downgraded tremendously in entertainment and how it plays. Uh, what? I don't uh, I mean, <laughs> Don't even. Don't even go there.
1: Mazio, how are those late night If you
2: want to watch a Hanzo games? shoot the wall eight out of ten times, four out of five times, Bronze is for you. That doesn't happen in gold. You're never gonna see uh, a Bastion miss with a spray and pray tactic in platinum.
1: (laughs) I'm just thinking about those late night Iron games, Basio, that you were describing. (laughs) Because, like, what ends up happening for for the context of the
0: permanent downgrade
1: for the context of the audience when Basio and I play League together, I usually sign off before the last game. So, the MMR of the lobby that we're in, the matchmaking ranking, drops significantly when I jump out of it, and Matthew gets to play the <laughs> real Chudds. So, he goes from, like, Silver Elo to Iron Elo in, like, no time flat, and it's a stark night and day difference, where people are, like, missing smites, they're three minutes late to lane, 80 CS at 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I fought somebody last night! I have a I play
2: a character that puts uh, puts an effect on the board that stuns, but you have to touch it, right? And in silver, I have to exactly hit you with it when I cast it. In iron, I can put it down and maws to the flame, you're gonna walk into it. And just sit there and take a beating. I mean, I describing it to Jake last night as I'm playing through, and he's like, none of those things should be happening. I'm like, I have beaten this person five for five. And it was like, they were on me with melee, and I'm a pure caster. I have a third of the health they have, and they have like 20% lifesteal, and they're still losing.
1: I think the best line was, nobody uses Ignite and Iron. Oh my god. I'm the only
2: person that uses Ignite and Iron. I I killed four people last night with with Ignite which is a stock spell that anyone can take but is specific to certain roles and everybody has it like you go in and everyone knows what spells to take they just forget they have them and they don't use them I didn't see anybody flash in three games of Iron last night oh my god oh
1: my god nobody flashed (laughs) so if
0: anyone wants to argue that games are not downgraded (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, what, i was trying to support failures. you tremendously. You're wrong. With
0: that. <laughs> You're wrong. You're so wrong.
1: I'll personally and fight it, them. And it's a, I
0: think it's a, it's a huge problem. It's a huge difference. Where's like I I keep going back. Dark Souls. You fail. Not a big deal, right? They're like we expect you to. It's okay to. We've considered it farther. We don't want it to be a permanent hindrance on your game. Same thing, kind of with Apex. Is that even when you do ranked in Apex? apex knows you're not gonna win every time apex also knows you're not gonna get top 10 every time you're gonna have shitty drops you're gonna have unlucky shots you're gonna accidentally run into a grenade like it's just it's gonna happen so instead they give they base like your ranking or whatever not based on your overall placement but actually, like, how well you did, and there's a bunch of different factors that go into it. But also, because Apex is designed that you will most likely not win and that you will fail, it focuses on those fights you do or those one squad on one squad... (laughs) One squad on one squad fights. I'm sorry, Jake. I just (laughs) looked at your Discord... (laughs) Well, Sorry. I should
1: have just done it on mic because I muted it and I called it out. I muted it and I was like, Amanda, I cut the audio. I'm opening my Uncrustable. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how how hard is it for you to open an Uncrustable?
0: Uncrustable.
1: I mean, you should listen to the audio when I upload it.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Okay, anyway.
2: What, you like hold it to the microphone? The microphone's right in my on the wrapper?
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the wrapper itself is the best part.
2: I I ate an oatmeal cream pie and a granola bar and didn't have to cut my audio <laughs> to do it.
1: Jesus.
0: <laughs> but is what I was saying making sense? <laughs> oh, my God. We're,
1: just, we're, we're so, we're so such. <laughs>
2: No, it makes total sense, because the the downgrade is, like, I kind of want to stream a game of Iron for you, with Jake commentating it while I stream it, Amanda, so that you can understand that it it, it is exactly what you described, like, between gold and bronze, where there's not only no coordination, it's just, did, did they follow this person? What happened? I literally watched four people stand in front of an objective and nobody touched it. Like, they just stood in front of the objective waiting for somebody else to do something.
0: Right. Maybe that's the. So, maybe this is like a key aspect or element of these boss fight games is that they really consider failing to be as much of a key player in this gameplay loop. Instead of like an afterthought of, oh, just drop them X many points. Right? It's it's fair. Instead, they're like, we know you're going to fail. We expect you to. So here's how we're going to work with that negative capital that we know we will be building for you. Instead of here, take all this negativity and then permanently reduce your gameplay enjoyment. Have fun. Good luck.
2: P.S. You suck.
0: Interesting to think about. I honestly didn't consider Battle Royales until you brought them up, Drake. But that was a I good think, comment.
2: I think there is also something to be said for... If we're putting all of these players in similar or comparative pots as audiences, right? Like, the, the Venn diagram of these audiences is all of these people respond to this sort of game and the overlaps are relative to the flavor of that game or the version of that that they most find palatable, I think we find out that we're in kind of an interesting position where it's a significant quantity of gamers. And I feel like these same ideas are taken in sort of independent microcosms and ignored in terms of the sum of the parts, right? The amount of people that play league versus the amount of people that play souls versus the amount of people that do battle royales but really it's people asking for the same gameplay experience they're just finding certain flavors of that gameplay experience to be more palatable but the games and the types of experiences they're finding are actually generated separately from a dev perspective as far as i'm aware correct
1: say the last part again
0: yeah yeah
2: the the reason a Battle Royale game is developed versus the reason a Souls game is developed versus the reason an eSport like League is developed or Overwatch is developed aren't considering the fact that all of the people that we're talking about all want a same, the same experience. They're just acquiring a different flavor of that. I would right? say
0: they all seek to fulfill the same need, which is this catharsis you keep talking about. Um, but yes, like yeah, different different flavors of it,
2: right? But I I think that that's a gap in the video game industry, right? That's that's an inherent issue in design, wherein you're not considering that you're developing these things from different angles, but they're all serving this need, but we're not actually addressing the need ha- head on.
0: I think it's the difference of viewing this from fulfilling a psychological desire or need of a gamer and pl- designing to fit a genre. So like whenever you go to design a game, you have an audience in mind, but usually when you're considering an audience, you don't really consider like psychologically what the players are after when they're playing your game, right? You're thinking like age range, other similar games they've played, uh gameplay styles they like or they are drawn to, but I I don't I don't know if they, there's a deeper question of is the psychological need they're reaching for The same as these other genres. And can I capitalize on it? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. It does. I think the misconception that the industry might have. Is that these two groups are like diametrically opposed to one another. Souls players and Animal Crossing players could never get along. But I I don't think that's the case. And I think Battle Royale is the number one thing that's proving that wrong. That all of the casual Fortnite players and all of the, you know... PUBG enthusiasts and the Souls enthusiasts and the Animal Crossing people can come together into this middle ground and spawn the most successful new genre-ish of the last decade.
0: I do agree that I think that's a that's an issue that I think the either marketing or maybe designers have is that everybody gets put into these strict boxes. Right? Like, if you prefer Sims then you're probably not going to prefer a shooter. And I'm like, okay, I play Sims. I also play shooters. I also play a lot of things. And I enjoy them for different reasons because they all feel different needs that I have. But whenever you're designing a game, you kind of pick one of those boxes to design to instead of thinking, what do all these things have in common? Or what do these three have in common? And how can I bridge that? How can I access that?
2: Yeah, I think we I think there's a huge there's an increasingly large and increasingly dangerous disconnect between the developers and the users. Like a Hollywood level of we legitimately just don't know what it is you want or care about.
0: Do you know what game is a prime example of that?
2: Cyberpunk. Go on.
0: Warframe.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. God
0: Those- Every, like, even, even a friend of Vars, Mazio, who still plays Warframe a lot, will admit this, that the devs just build whatever they find entertaining without even considering what the community wanted. And most of the time, they give it to them, and the community's like, well, I guess this is fine, but, like, nobody asked for this. And the devs are like, but it's so cool, and it's so fun for us to play, and they're like, great, I, I, I mean, thanks, I guess.
2: It, it's kind of a weird thing right because my philosophy as a writer is i write things that amuse me in the hopes that others will be amused uh-huh. but there's also a real barrier between the sweat equity that goes into writing something that might fail versus i don't know a couple hundred million dollars to build do
0: a video game yeah
2: whatever that like spaceship mode of warframe is called that we played that i was like this is fun and they're like we made three missions we'll get back to it in two years and i'm like i will All say right. they
0: are getting back to it finally now it's a little but late for it, it. It is a year.
2: I'm, I'm uninstalled. Railjack. I'm
0: just... Railjack. That's what it is. It's Railjack.
2: I'm not. I'm honestly not. I mean, if you made a game that was just Railjack and I could fly co-op with my friends and do missions, I would do it all the time because I love piloting a spaceship. But, but, uh, whew, I do not like Warframe that much.
0: I think it suffers from that problem, though, where the devs are really building what they want or what they think the community wants. And there's just a huge disconnect.
2: Yeah, there's a major vision issue. And you see it like you see it all the time in Hollywood, which is why you're not... Um, when I look at movie releases, I'm like, oh, mm, no wonder we don't sell movie tickets anymore.
0: <laughs> right? Right.
2: Because you've decided to tell them what they want rather than being like, all right, well... What do you I want? Think- I think this is a legitimate opening in the market and we should make a movie that does this or a game that does that. You know, the market, it's the same issue with Mario and Nintendo, right? Nintendo doesn't like to release Mario games, although I'm saying that as they just released two, but it'll be another two years before we see a Mario game. Right. Or four years before we see a Mario game. When you could release, I would like one Mario game every year to play through because I love Mario games it's the same thing with Souls, where it's like, you could release, the market could probably bear two, one to two Souls-style games a year, no problem. And easily bear a Monster Hunter game every, like, three years, no problem. But I don't think the devs want to do that. I don't think companies see that opportunity there. I think they kind of go, alright, we're going to make Anthem because people like jet packs and guns. <laughs> when, like, No, actually, that's not. I mean, we do, but that's not why we're.
0: It's not why we're playing these games.
2: I didn't go to the movie theater to get popcorn.
0: Well, speak for yourself. I've gone to the movie theaters just to get popcorn. But I don't pay for a ticket at that point.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) I meant that you bought a movie ticket so you could have an excuse to go buy popcorn
0: no i some see so the issue is, is having worked at a movie theater i am perfectly okay just walking in and being like give me a popcorn and then walking out <laughs> like, I have oh i don't no see shame. anything
2: wrong with that
0: there's uh, no shame
2: in that movie theater popcorn is amazing
0: it's the best it really now, if you is we
2: were like i got the nachos i'd be like
0: what's the oh. fuck's wrong with you no 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> do they open the canister of cheese for you
0: or? no <laughs> um but no, I think, I think you're right. I think there's this disconnect. Or I also think that like, the image of what a gamer is hasn't really changed or adapted to fit the wider audience of people they're pulling in. Like, I think if you, I mean, it's, I don't think it's all devs. I think some development studios and some small, Single devs are or designers are considering this fact, but I think the large games that release a lot still have like an image of a gamer as this murder hobo, typically male, young teen who doesn't give it any deeper thought.
1: Jesus, yeah. you could have just said my name. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jake's, they're just thinking of Jake's,
1: <laughs> incapable of deep thought, murder hobo. Played lots of shooters. Yeah, that sounds like me.
0: Whereas in reality, the gamer community has evolved to pull in a lot more people that have, that play games for a variety of different reasons. And I think part of that is because we built multiplayer games. And another part is indie markets and games became so widely successful. And that brought in a whole different array of people into it. Right? Like Jake, the people who play games from Annapurna are a completely different market than what I just described, right? They're playing games for completely different reasons than the murder hoboness.
1: Yeah, I think there's adaptability that we're not considering though, because like I play lots of Annapurna games. I love Sekiro. I love Fallen Order. And I'm also absolutely a murder hobo. I mean, when given the opportunity. Just you know, just look at my Red Dead Redemption save. Like, you know. I don't I don't I don't need to say anything else.
2: <laughs> You're doing a pacifist run of that, right?
1: The red is pacifist, right?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure the red is pacifist.
1: Okay, cool. I always get that mixed up with genocide.
2: <laughs> it's very confusing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of crossover that sometimes studios don't consider. Uh, or designers, you know, wh- wherever the the blame gets placed. But, um...
0: Maybe it really is just marketing and producers. Like, you know what? You know what we haven't talked about yet in this podcast? Producers' influence on the design. It could very well be producers who have no idea how games are made, who are just in it for the money, right in the business aspect of it, coming down and saying, this is what your audiences, and it's all stereotypes or whatever, so the game better fulfill just that. And yeah. maybe they had other ideas in there, but they were denied or taken out because they didn't fit that stereotyped image that was presented to them from the producers.
1: I, I mean, that makes so total
2: much. sense to me.
1: There, right? are so, Go ahead. there are so many words, but none that I can say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Will As I you were saying like, it in the
2: back of my head, out? I'm like Amanda doesn't know this, but she's killing Jake
1: right now. I'm exploding. No, I I think Jake, that I there's have a
0: quack sensor.
1: Yeah, but can you quack sensor the entire next three minutes of what I'm going to say?
0: Well, we do have a technical difficulty I... music track, so feel free.
2: I I do think it's probably worth it for you to vent this out <laughs>
0: rather than trying to hold this into the next hour or so of oh your life. My God. We'll be back everybody. Cue technical difficulty music. <laughs>
1: And that's why i don't <laughs> like producers no no it's uh,
2: at least she didn't say his name
1: <laughs> yeah it's, no but on a on a more serious note i i do think that there is a problem right now where games are starting to become too complicated to just have a small focused team of like game lovers like there is yeah. no possible way that you could make a AAA a title without having someone in there that does not play the genre that you are making There's just too many interdisciplinary things going on. You need sound designers, you need animators, you need like level designers, you need character artists, you need, you know, 3D artists, like all of these different things need to merge together and to find all of those people is hard enough, but then to find those people that also have a intricate understanding of the thing that you're trying to do is really hard and it puts the weight, I think, of modern game development on the leadership so hard. Because you need to be able to not you need to have like this Superman type leader in charge that really deeply understands what you're trying to make, but also understands all of the sub disciplines under it and how they need to perform the actions that they need to take to most benefit this idea. And that is a damn near impossible thing to have and a damn near impossible thing to find within people. I don't know anybody like that, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, outside of I think there are people with the potential to do that like you guys, absolutely. But as far as like somebody that can sit there and take take a vision and like walk through every single person that needs to work on something from blank canvas to pushing out the right type of asset or pushing out the right type of design, man, that's a huge ask. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't even know that it's just a huge ask. I think it's one of those moments where to maintain that you're going to that person has to be willing to sacrifice a great deal of their their personal life and space to make that a reality
0: and sanity.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Amanda, you probably know better than any of us, given like you know your position within Quacks and stuff. But
0: I just want to. I want to clarify. I really love. Working on the projects that I have with Evil Quacks. But it, like, I, Mazio, I've told this, like, you need to schedule time for games with me. And, yeah. like, you, you made a joke. You made a joke about it, but, like, it, it was just a joke. I, I'm pretty sure you understand why you need to schedule games with me, since you know the people that I have working for Evil Quacks.
2: It was funny joke I made.
0: Yeah, where Mazio was like, oh, okay, so you can't even find time for me. And I was like, I literally have no time and it and like I'm not I'm not upset about it like right now my mom is staying over with me because uh my mom alternates between like living with my sister and with me and I think that like I have been in my room telling her that I need to record stuff or that like I need to do stuff or I need to work on something like after work hours or late at night or on weekends and I, I think it's it's May, like maybe finally singing in that like uh, maybe this is why Amanda like just doesn't call that much or like why you need to call Amanda um, I, I've i definitely given up a lot to try and organize Mazio who is mostly a writer and doesn't really he knows you at least know game design Mazio but like you don't yeah, know I know the where I fit in the process but I don't yeah, code you don't code you don't know the development so I have to find a way to take what Mazio gives me for things he wants to add to the story And communicate it to Joe in a way that makes sense to Joe's programmatic brain. Because Joe's the one who's doing all the main bulk of the system. And then I have to take any coding restrictions that Joe knows. Or any big narrative changes that Mazzie is doing. And think about any UI assets that need to be brought into it. Or how that changes the UI UX design. And I got to communicate that to Mickey and Tet. And Tet and Mickey have at least studied game design. So there's something there to work with. But neither of them are great coders. And they're pretty specialized in UI. So it's hard for me to, like, it, it's just, it's a mental exercise, I guess, to sit here and be like, how do I, how do I take from programmer tongue to designer tongue and back to what Mazio understands and back again and keep this team working together on a path forward where this game will finally get released? It's hard. And it, it takes, it really does take, like, all of my free time, if you're not scheduled just <laughs> for me to spend time with you, uh but I but I do want to clarify like I personally find it really rewarding to see progress again made on the game, but I think it's a uh, it's something that i I really don't think is for everybody.
1: I agree it's hard I think it's it's unlike anything else in the complexity of what you're trying to do and seeing those pieces come together into some type of product. It's an amazing thing. And that's really, I think the reason that, you know, likewise we're all here, but goddamn, does it ask a lot? (laughs) Like a lot of your free time, a lot of your social life will get eaten to being in that role. Um, And there's nothing you can do about it because like, At least from my perspective, it's not really a choice. Like I don't, I don't think that I could, you know, tomorrow walk away and be like, "I don't want to do this anymore." I think I'd go nuts. Absolutely, like not even a question in my mind. Um, Are there ways to like balance that and make it healthier? Yeah, probably. But your modern game design just puts so much weight at the top. And I think that's partially why you see a lot of like the issues that we we end up talking about, like these weird moments of like unfocused design or the dichotomy between positive and negative capital in games or, you know, big blowups like Cyberpunk or Battlefront, because it's not like it's not tenable to have a studio of a thousand people working on something and have like one person championing that.
0: The lead designer. It's a curse. Communication breakdowns happen, or not everyone's on the same goal or understanding as to what the vision of the game is, and things collapse. And I don't think it's really their fault. Like I think that's where you're getting at. It's just it's it's so much to ask of them.
1: No, and it's a lot to ask of anybody. Like, bring up a more specific example. We 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 have a door asset that's coming into a game I'm working on right now. And the the 3D artist made the door made a very good door looks fantastic Uh, had a nice frame hinges knob whole nine yards good textures with it I think I haven't seen the textures yet actually but he brings it into the game and the pivot for the door is centered oh no. Yes, yeah, so you you immediately know where I'm going with this. Oh, I no. can't turn the door. I can't open can't the door. You can't turn the door. Yeah, the door pivots like around the middle of the door and spins like a revolving like one door.
0: Like what a revolving door. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like that's, I that's could. That's
2: how the doors in my house work. I just sort of dive at it and that's it shunts me to one side.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, we've remodeled a little bit. Our doors now have gravity wells built into them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ! But it's like. From a 3D designer's perspective, right? For somebody that is making assets and they're going to put them up on Sketchfab and that's their portfolio, would never be an issue. Would it be an issue if that person then needed to come bring that into a game? Yeah. But... Oh, yeah, hella. It's the the translating of that thing to the next. It's like, I do animation. for games. Very different thing than if you're animating at Pixar. I do 3D modeling. for games. Four games. Unbelievably yeah. different thing. Like, if you bring in... We brought in an asset the other day that somebody accidentally just I, thought about it the wrong way. They thought about it in a 3D design side and modeled in an overwhelmingly unnecessary amount of detail to the point where we get a hundred FPS drop when we look at it. Yeah. And like it's, it sucks because like that person did a very, very good job. And with all of the rules that they were taught, and this is more of my gripe with Drexel specifically, but all the rules that they were taught. They performed adequately. But then you had the asterisk for games. And everything goes out yeah. the window. And everything you've learned is now different. Because we're running in real time. We're not rendering in Arnold where we can take 15 minutes per frame. We're rendering right. in Unity. And you need a 60th of a second. It's just... Yeah. It's a whole different world. And it asks you to take everything you know and translate it into a different language. And then on top of that to be able to speak in that language and create a cohesive vision, a co- cohesive creative project. That's it's a lot harder than I think people give these studios credit for sometimes.
0: Uh, since we're almost at the hour mark, I kind of want to loop this back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, at the beginning, you said the negative capital that Souls builds up and why we like it so much is because it replicates certain obstacles and struggles we face in real life and i think maybe that's why the souls games are prized among designers if you think about it like to be able to make a game and to be able to be in that position as a designer to go through all to hit all these obstacles that we just talked about to be able to communicate with everybody to manage everybody to make sure things come out at, at the right time and that everything along the pipeline is communicated properly it it really is at some points like going up against a boss that is at the beginning feels insurmountable and we we fail at times (laughs) right like Mm -hmm. there are times where your process gets halted you make a mistake you didn't communicate well properly or somebody wasn't brought up to speed or the vision of the product that this person got wasn't right or the deadlines and what was expected of the team or things like the door pivot not being right, the audio not being compressed or being over compressed or you know, what have you, right? All all these obstacles we face, we stagger, we fall, and whatever, but we each time we go back at the same boss of I'm going to make this game, right? I I've staggered, I'd fallen it, but I've learned something from it. And now I'm going back at it with newfound knowledge. Which is similar to a Souls game in my mind. And I think maybe that's why they're so popular among designers or in, I think, the scholarly community of games, is because it does replicate real life. And I think there's some sort of like connection, I guess, if I had to get more like psychological to it, to the struggles that the designers and the developers face when making the game and the feeling of finally getting it to see it released and finished. You know, Interesting to yeah. think about. I agree. But I will say guys, I enjoyed this conversation.
1: So did I. So did I.
0: Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening and tune in next time with whatever we talk about next time. Thanks.
1: Later. Quack quack.